They actually made a new calendar to get sponsors. Could you imagine any female athletes have to do that today to get enough support financially to go to the Olympics? You'll never see that. And that happened for like 20 years ago. I can actually imagine some sports where that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast. Your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host the sports insider repurposed olympic mogul skier and former freeride world tour athlete anya bobia ever wondered what a mentor can do for you and why it's having a mentor important for your career well we'll talk about that today and get a glimpse into the world of sports marketing with former pro team handball player penilla Vogel nielsen so stay tuned This is Athlete Story, your show if you want to keep a connection to your athletic identity and to other athletes while pursuing your new mission in life after sports. I'm your host, Anja Bolbjerg, former World Top 10 skier in moguls and freeride skiing, now way into life after sports. I invite you to join other former athletes and me here on Athlete Story for resources to help you put your former sports career to work for you in life after sports. As you may know, I ran the Successful After Sports Summit earlier this year. And if you missed it, don't worry because you can still get access to the recordings of all the sessions with our amazing hand-picked experts. Now, this summit will guide you through the process of finding your new mission in life after sports in three steps. Number one, your foundation. Like who are you beyond sports and what do you stand for? Number two is participation as in putting yourself out there. And number three is inspiration, where we gather insight from different lines of work and business where you can cross over to by building on your experience as an elite athlete. So head on over to successfulaftersports.com and get the all access pass today. When Penilla ended her sports career as a professional team handball player, she decided to get a mentor who also had a background as a pro athlete. Uh, she's going to share with us what that meant to have a mentor in this phase of her life and how it helped her along the way. Penilla's new career, she found out that she could combine her passion for sports with her studies of media and communication by getting into sports marketing. Now, you'll hear all about that journey and how it helped her to have a mentor who really understood her background in sports. But since Penelope is in sports marketing, I'll make sure to also ask her for some insider knowledge about that business because it's always cool to hear how brands can use athletes and sports in their communication, right? So let's welcome Penelope Wobben Nielsen joining us today from Melbourne, Australia, where she works with big client names such as Nike and some of the national sports leagues down there. Hi, Penelope. Welcome to Athlete Story Podcast. Hello from down under. <laughs> yeah, it's all the way from Australia. Good to have you on. I'm excited to talk to you today because I want to hear a little bit about your story, your transition. You have had a mentor along the way from your professional career as a team handball player and into your career now in sports marketing. Let's tell yeah. you that story. Yeah, so when I was younger, I played professional handball from when I was 15 to around 25. In the same time, I was finishing my master's degree in media science and I was finishing my master. I had an internship at communication agency. I realized what should I do when I finish my studies and have to get out on the work market? And one of my colleagues said, why are you just 
just not combining your passion for sport with media and communication. So it's like, oh, that sounds like a smart idea. So after my internship, I ended up getting a job in my local handball club, helping them in administration and with sponsorship events and marketing of all the local matches. And then I finished my master's and it was my time to go out on the job market and find a full-time position. And at that point, I also chose to end my professional handball career, career because in Denmark and with women's handball, there was not that good opportunities to be a full-time professional unless you were on the national team. I played first division at that point. Anyways, I was also part of uh, the Handball Player Association. So they actually suggested me that they have this mentor system where you could apply for, to get a mentor and they will pair you up with the most suitable mentor they have. So I did that and shortly after I got connected to Camilla Anderson, which is also a former professional handball player in Denmark. And she had her own travel agency. Yes, we met up and I told her about my expectation and what I want to get out of it. And that was from how to, to develop my skills, to negotiate salary, to talk with my boss about other hard topics. When you're choosing a future job, should you follow your heart or should you follow your brain and be more rational? What is the most important thing? And she had a lot of good advice for me. So yeah, I think yeah. sometimes we met one every second week, if it was like hectic uh, times, or sometimes like we didn't talk for three months. But yeah, today I'm still in dialogue with Camilla and she's following my journey and I'm following her business. So yeah, it was a really good match. Can, can you give an example of how she, like one thing she helped you with that you would not have done without having her as a mentor? I think when she actually learned me to say no, you know, when you're working for a company and how to handle stress situations because I actually think as a professional athlete, you always want to perform and become better and professional athletes are hard to say no to training because you always to become better. So one of my first gigs, like I started like getting more and more tasks and it was like, it was so hard for me to say no and she was just like you need to do that because if you fail the whole team fail you so I think that was like a good learning and then she like she also advised me on how to tackle that situation and explain that to my boss to have that hard conversation because you didn't want to look as it was a loss and that you didn't wasn't capable of managing it but it's more like if I don't say no now, in the longer term, we will, yeah, fall together. That sounds like good advice. <laughs> it's easy to take on too much. Yeah. So today we've moved from Denmark and to Australia. How yeah. did that happen? So when I finished my master's, we ended up getting a job in Lyngby Ball Club, a Danish soccer club, in the marketing department. And I loved that job. But after almost two years in the club, I felt like, oh, it's my time. I was like, yeah, to try something new. It was a small club, so it was like limit of opportunities of development and to move into another role. So I ended up landing a job at Sponsor People, which is uh, like also Danish sports marketing agency. But I also realized at that point that I've never tried to live in another country or really travel. And between the two jobs, between Lyngby and Sponsor People, I actually went to Australia just on a vacation for three weeks. And I just fell in love with the country. And it's like, okay, I will give my time at Sponsor People six months. 
And if I still have this feeling about I have to go traveling and try something new, well, then it's my time. And after six months, I was actually really happy. Like I love working at sponsored people as well, but I still have that feeling like I'm 28 now. I didn't have a partner or anything. So it's like, do you know what? If the only thing you regret is things you don't do. So I ended up in December 2017 to quit my job, rented out my apartment and booked a one-way ticket to Australia with the purpose of, first of all, travel, but also to see if I could get an international experience here. So Australia is like this sport-loving nation. It's like Australian football, which is the main sport here. In average, across all the games in the best league, they have 50,000 people compared to Superliga and the Danish Soccer League. I think the average attendance is around 8,000 people when I was living in Denmark. So the biggest game is always filled with like 90,000 people on the biggest stadiums. It's like crazy. So I start traveling around, but realized that it's going to be really hard because I didn't have the right working rights. So to get that job, it will take a while. So I actually ended up to have to do some farm work, which gave me some more time. Like when you're doing a farm work in Australia over three months, then you get extended your visa for another year. So I did that. So I had like another career as a, a cowgirl in the, in the outback and came back to Melbourne and almost giving up. But then I was called me from an agency that offered me a position just two weeks. And it's like, perfect. Just give me the chance and I will show my worth. And I also think from an athlete's perspective, the thing about being ready to grab the chance when you have it and perform because you know you have a pressure on you, you still have that confidence because you've been used to do that when you were playing. And since then, I've been together with the agency. So I got a six-month contract and from there they offered me a sponsorship visa. And yeah, I'm still here in Melbourne. So, so what do you what do you do in this job? Because I know it's this can be interesting to a lot of the listeners. Yeah. So our main client right now is Cricket Australia and Nike. So what we normally say is that we try to deliver work that's authentic. And that was actually also one of the reasons why they gave me the position because they knew I had a background as an athlete. So they really want to like that work is also reflecting how athletes are thinking that it's not going to like get too commercial and it's based uh, that's it's like social and cultural relevant so if nike are going to market now with a campaign they just still have to reflect the society so i, I can't tell what nike is going to go to the market with right now on the backdrop of the uh, coronavirus but that stuff like that that you see sport in a bigger picture that it's not sport but it's like cultural relevant and then of course that it resonates with the audience and in australia it's like this sport loving nation so yeah so that's uh, the the main focus what you do is like you pair athletes with brands or maybe the other way around rather yeah also for cricket australia we are the last two years been working on their women's international team so as you also know from europe there's like a growth of women's sport and a bigger focus on that but in australia it's a, like an as in europe in a male dominated world and people don't really believe in the quality of the women's game so we had to develop a campaign that challenged that challenged the status quo so we kind of created this campaign watch me smash boundaries watch me be the king of the game featuring all the female athletes talking about the stats to teach the audience that the women's game is like 
it's of high quality and worth watching. That's on, on Cricket. And then on Nike, that's on the brand side where Nike have a, a lot of athletes they're working with and sponsoring. So when they, every year they're launching a new Just Do It campaign where we get a global steer from Portland in America. And then they're saying this global strategy, you have to take it into a local extension where we're working with all the local athletes to tell their stories in the lens of the global strategy. Yeah, so last year we did this dream crazy. I think maybe some people have seen the Serena spot. That was the global. And then we did a local extension of Dream Crazy with the local athletes in, in Australia. Can we give a shout out to one of the local Australian athletes and tell us about that campaign? I think last year it was um, Sam Kerb and the Matildas. There was the Soccer World Cup in France last year where we developed this campaign everything we ever dreamed of. So soccer is not a big sport in Australia. They have cricket and they have Australian rules football. Yeah, the Matildas just suddenly become really good and it was in top six before they went to the World Championship. So Nike kind of won a campaign supporting them because they're sponsoring the Matildas at Sam Kerr. They are this golden hope and everything Australia made up um, where they yeah featured some of the players and told their story and kind of try to get support behind the Matildas on the way in the World Cup. So is that a tendency that you see in the sport marketing that the big brands tend to want to actually more go directly to the athletes than the big association or the league? Or Yeah, I think it's balanced because a sponsoring athlete can do something different than sponsoring a federation in our club so that you can really create something authentic and if you look at LeBron James in NBL he have a bigger follower base than NBL it's because when you connect with people you connect with the human the people behind our organization but if you are a brand that also wants to use the sponsorship platform for hospitality or for internal pride or you want to have an internal training program well then it's better to sponsor the federation because through the athlete you can't get hospitality you can't get exposure and all that stuff in the same way so depending on that was something i work with a lot with sponsor people that's like specialized in sponsorship that depending on the purpose of the uh, the key objective of the sponsorship you have to choose the, the right platform but we definitely see a rise in just sponsoring the athletes and that's because of the authenticity they have when they're talking to their, their loyal fans. What do you do in case, for example, you have a brand that uses one athlete and that athlete gets injured? Or I could say maybe even worse, get in because I'm going to or something like that. Yeah, well, often like that's like something you can't really um, plan against if they're getting injured. Well, but often you will see that brands actually just will support that story. And also because you get some really good content about resilience. <laughs> Imagine here in the backdrop of uh, coronavirus, if there's something that's important to have, that's resilience. So building up a story about telling it through the lens of a, a player that get back from an injury. So that's more in, in that way of like actually it, that will also be an opportunity for a brand to show some human insight. Instead of saying, oh, you're not performing on, on the pitch right now, but then you get access to another phase of an athlete's life where they're like struggling even more and see the other side. So could it be interesting for any athletes that are former athletes to be used to hook up with brand 
Yeah, I definitely think so. If like the comeback story is interesting, I'm thinking about cases about where there has been former athletes doing comebacks. But it, like, definitely, it's like everything about is about the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if that athlete performed at some point, what's interesting, Katie Freeman, for example, I think we all know Katie Freeman when she was running the the Olympics and she was running for her country. That's an interesting story in that, uh, like way of thinking, how could that be translated into uh, into society today, where 20, 20 years later, I know actually the Matildas, when they were playing in, before the Olympics in Sydney, they didn't have any sponsors. So they actually made a new calendar to get sponsors. Could you imagine any female athletes have to do that today to get enough support financially to go to the Olympics? You'll never see that. And that happened for like 20 years ago. Yeah, well, I, I can actually imagine some sports where that would happen. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, I'd like to just get back to the, the mentor part. Because some of the listeners here are in that phase of transitioning out of sport or maybe they've been out of sport for a while, but still not sure what the path mm. to be taking. What are some of the things that you would recommend about picking a mentor? Or yeah, I think the transition into the work world is really tough and being able to describe your own skills and the values that you, are, you have as an athlete, working hard, working as a team, determination, passion, dedication, resilience, which we already talked about. That's some skills normal people are not getting because they haven't worked under this pressure. And yeah, so a lot of companies and people that's already working in businesses, they're looking to the world of sport. So if you as an athlete figure out like, oh, I really think this person working for that company in that position could be so interesting to chat with, reach out to them, Tell them your story that you as, you as a former professional athlete and you are into this transition into the work market and you're actually looking for a mentor or a guy that maybe could help you taking the, the next step. I don't think there's a lot of people who actually say no to that because that would be so inspiring also following your journey. And I also think for most men, mentors, it's um, a learning curve for themselves helping and guiding you towards your next goal or your next job or whatever it is. So you picked one that was a like high-level athlete as your yeah. mentor. What were the advantages yeah. of having someone who already knew where you were coming from? I definitely think it's, a, it's advanced because she knows the skills. She was able to help me also put words on the skills I had and mm-hmm. saying that's why you are valuable for your company. And the thing about where I, like, I was stressed out about I didn't wasn't able to say no she said like that's just because you are used to want to be better all the time and take more responsibility that's the background as an athlete you have and you need to learn to handle that when you're getting out of the job market so that way it's definitely valuable to have one that's, that have the same background as you but I also think it's important like just as important maybe also have one that doesn't have the, the same background as you because they can see things from other perspectives so you can go both ways I think that's a a theme that comes up again and again is that you can have more mentors than one. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think that's a great advice. Well, thank you, Vanilla. It was was nice talking to you. You're reaching across the globe here in the coronavirus situation and glad to hear that you're okay. (laughs) After all the bushfires and everything that's going on, crazy world right now. Take care and stay in touch. Get yourself part of the Athlete Story community and hope to hear from you soon. Perfect. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.